Just continue in that same spirit of love and adoration and turn together to Acts chapter 8. We'll bring those lights up for you so you can see. Sometimes the simplicity of a, a chorus like that just, just settles in a good place in your heart and in your mind. And, um, you know, as the, as the church, we're, we're the people of God, we're designed to worship, to express worth to God in different ways. So when we gather together, we do that in some ways, and when we scatter out, we do that in other ways. Everything that we're doing is worshiping in that we're showing God His worth and His value to us. And the beginning place for that is our worth and value to Him. We love each other, we love Him, because He loved us first. He initiated all this. Um, and as we go and live our lives, um, we carry with us something that's of just the utmost importance. And over the summer, I was able to be a part of a, a trip to South Africa um, that some of you were a part of as well. And um, I returned from that trip just you know, stirred up, as you would imagine, on any mission trip. Um, but there's some things that have lingered, and, and I hope that they linger Forever, because uh, we all kind of come down off of that, you know, that mountaintop type deal when you go to on a mission trip or camp or any, even even a Sunday night together. Sometimes it feels like this, like you're up here and you're like, I'm never coming down, and then you, you come down, you know. Uh, but there's some things that stick around, and this is something that's been stirring in me for a while, and I've looked forward to this night because uh, with our group starting back. Uh, this week and those natural kind of rhythms of our family life that we've been talking about with those starting back, we are able to, to put into place some things that God has been stirring uh, in, in our congregation for a while. Last January, we took a month and we prayed about some things and we were praying for our own building to meet in and we did not get that, but God handed down some other uh, specific things that, that he's been leading uh, our congregation to to do. And we've been pulling the trigger one by one on some of those things. And now with groups starting back, um, not only with pertaining to groups, but just the church as a whole, one of the themes that, was, that he kind of handed down to us was um, to get more intentional and specific and driven at bringing the kingdom near to uh, wherever it is that we are going and living and doing life. Um, and so our workplaces, our neighborhoods, you know, those kinds of things. And, and we've always talked about this idea that we're, you know, we're living as missionaries all the time in, in our city and through the relationships God gives us and that kind of stuff. But this feels a little bit more uh, like a strong push as a congregation to really... Um, I don't know, dig in even more to the mission that is ahead of us and what that looks like. And so our groups are going to be talking, we've already begun to talk and pray at the end of last semester and over the summer about specific ways that with, within each of those groups, in those different you know, communities and cities, how do you, 
How do you let people know, hey, the kingdom of God has come near in Christ. It is here and now and available. Um, and so every group is going to, uh, over this next semester, find some way to do something in their like, surrounding area that just makes the kingdom really visible and really obvious. And so while you do that as a group, we're also called on this, we're the, walking, like living these individual lives where we're constantly crossing paths with people. We're crossing our paths with people that are, um, that are incredibly important and valuable to God. And sometimes I think it's easy to lose sight of that. And so what I would like for tonight to be what I've felt stirring for a while and, and feel like this is the right text and the right night is a little bit of um, kind of a call to action, not a like um, a corporate call to action, yes. A community group call to action, yes. An individual call to action, yes. So we can think in all those realms, that would be helpful to me. Uh, and a call to action for me personally as well. Um, and so in Acts chapter 8, we have this story that I don't think I've ever preached out of. I, actually, I know I've never preached out of this text before. Um, and we, have, we see an encounter between Philip, who is an evangelist, um, and uh, a man from Ethiopia. And through this interaction, I believe there are some things that, that God wants us to hear and know and embrace and be challenged by and be convicted by. And he, I think he wants us to grab a vision for our lives, for the like, relational ministry that he has in front of us. We spend a lot of time... Um, on like learning and growing and deepening our personal relationships and taking care of one another, and that's very important. And I think that God is, is shaping us, and, and, and now he's like, okay, now, now it's time to, for that to get more intense and it's outward working into the people around us, into our community, into our city. Um, so I, I pulled out five observations from this story. and this, Sometimes I try to have like organized points, and this is going to be a lot less organized. And honestly, it's my favorite way to preach, so deal with it. Um, so it'll be kind of five observations, and I'll just give you the freedom as a note-taker to write down whatever your heart desires. Let's read the story, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went... And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? He said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the passage of scripture he was reading was this. uh, This is from Isaiah 53. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice, uh, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip um, away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Five things from that story that I think are significant for us in where God is taking us and pushing us. The first one, verse 27. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all our treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. First thing that is significant is that the Ethiopian was different than Philip. Different nationality, different race. He looked different. He, uh, to say that he was a eunuch, they aren't sure what that means. Uh, it could mean that was a part of his title as being a trusted court official. Uh, it could mean other stuff, but I'm just going to go with that one. But here's this Ethiopian. And here's this non-Ethiopian. And God sends him to him. And I think a part of why that is significant to us is this understanding that every single life matters. Every single life matters. We live in a time that is continuing previous times where what people look like and where they're from and their race, their ethnicity, their language, their religious belief system, their actions, their, their mistakes, their victories, their successes, whatever, categorize people and we treat them accordingly. And yet, when you go back to the beginning of the church in the, in, uh, in the book of Acts, we see that a part of what the, the Spirit of God living in all of us was meant to do is to unite what is divided. To cross over cultural barriers and language barriers and all these kinds of things that we like to like separate out. The Spirit of God says those things are like do not matter. When it comes to the importance of that person and their need for the gospel. It's not saying that we should just pretend like we aren't all different. Of course, we sh- we, you acknowledge that. We're not ignorant to that fact. But those things should not keep us from, uh, from understanding that like all lives are important. If Philip, you know, the angel said, go this way. If Philip had seen the Ethiopian in the chariot and been like, oh, I'm not talking to that guy. We would all be appalled at that, you know. That'd be a very different story. We'd be, we'd be you know, beaten up on Philip. I, mean, I can't believe it was just nobody wants to be a Philip, you know. But there are times when that's kind of what happens. And so the, my first point here is that like every single life matters, and that's why we oppose Planned Parenthood and what they're doing. That's why we oppose ISIS. That's why we oppose racism. That's why we oppose 
Westboro Baptist. That's why we oppose injustice and oppression in every single form. And that's why we are for the people who are involved in those things. And it's so easy to get, if we were in amening church, it'd be easy to get amens off some of those things, right? You know? But we're not, and I'm trying to make us into one. It's okay. But if we were, if I'm like, ISIS is evil, it's like, amen, uh, ISIS is evil. Planned Parenthood, can you believe the atrocities that are of these videos? Like, absolutely. And that should infuriate us, yes. And in case, you know, like sometimes people are like, why don't you talk about cultural stuff more? Okay, for the record, we're, I'm anti-Planned Parenthood and what they are doing. All right? So, there it is. <laughs> My official statement. But why? Why are we opposed to it? We're opposed to it, because, and we're opposed to all those things that I just talked about, and all the vague things, you know, with the, all oppression, all injustice, all human trafficking, all modern-day slavery, all of those things, we're against them. Why? Because of the people involved. Because the people matter. But sometimes, don't you think there's some inconsistency in it? Don't you think that sometimes, like let's take Planned Parenthood, that there is a great objection because of the sanctity of life of that baby. But no one ever talks about the sanctity of the life of the mom. No one ever talks about the sanctity of the life of the doctors and the nurses. In that whole situation, all the people that are involved in all that, every life matters and is important. When ISIS is beheading people because of their faith, whether it's Christians or Jews or Muslims who won't cooperate, we're against that because the lives matter, the people they're killing, and the people who are the killers, their lives matter too. When Westboro Baptist shows up and like just makes just a complete mockery of what Christianity is about, to the point where even, even like the most like staunch atheists, people who hate the church, look at them and are like, those that, that ain't Christianity. But every one of those people that are holding those ridiculous signs, protesting funerals of soldiers, those people matter also. There has to be a kingdom-driven consistency in our belief that every life matters. Those people are beloved by our God. And they are valuable. And they were made in His image. We can believe that and at the same time refuse to endorse the actions of some of them. Just because someone's valuable doesn't mean they're always acting like they're valuable. But they are valuable. All those lives matter. And within that, there's this acknowledgement that all of us are broken by sin and Jesus has come to fix us. And in all those cases, we should stand up for those who don't have a voice. We should speak out, and we should pray, and we should beg God, not only to shut down Planned Parenthood, but for every one of those doctors and nurses and executives and people who give millions of dollars to that, to come to know the sanctity of life because of how Jesus values people, because of His goodness, to the point where they walk away. 
And we should be there to care for those moms who, uh, you know, sometimes, like with Planned Parenthood, you have the moms who are like, it's my choice, it's my body, blah, blah, blah. But the majority of people who are in that situation, they're, they're scared. They're hurting. They're mourning. They don't, they're confused. They don't know what to do. And they're entering into a lifetime of, of having to process that. We've got to be there for them, too, because their lives matter also. So there has to be a consistency. If Philip had seen that Ethiopian and said, uh, I think I'll keep looking for someone to like, share the gospel with, he would have not been obedient. He would have failed to recognize that this guy's life mattered and that God was sending him there on purpose to make sure that he knows he matters. Over the summer we talked about order and busyness and how important those things are. And a part of that is what we are talking about here. When, when our lives are upside down and we're, we're just living life to the max and we're all about our, ourselves and we're out of order and there's tons of chaos, you know what you do? You pass by the Ethiopian sitting in the chariot reading the Bible saying, I don't really know what this means. We pass by those people because we're so busy trying to just like manage our own stuff. So maybe God's like, hey, you know how we spent a whole summer talking about order? Get your stuff together. Get your house in order, like your internal house, I mean your house house, yeah, that needs to be in order. But get your internal house in order because there are people that I'm sending you to and you're walking right by them. That's the first thing. Second thing. Look at verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Second observation is, the very specific leadership of the Holy Spirit. So first, an angel comes and says, hey, you need to go that direction. So he goes that direction. And then the Holy Spirit is like, hey, see that guy? Go join his chariot. I think some of us are are dismissive because it's sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe a little too mystic, a little too, like, whatever, to think that God would, would do this with us, you know? To think that God would whisper that to you in, in any situation about another person and ministering to them, speaking to them, you know, whatever, that he would be that specific with us. I think we want to dismiss it. Like, yeah, but that's Philip, man. He's like, he's an evangelist, you know. But why? Philip didn't have anything that you and I don't have in Christ. He's not varsity, you know. He has what you and I have, the indwelling Spirit of God. And so if God will, leave, will lead Philip with that kind of precision, don't you think he'll lead us with that kind of precision? He knows the people, he knows who they are, he knows what they need, when they need it, and how it needs to be delivered. He knows all of it. And in the category of, of what they need, I, I feel like we as a congregation need, need to have a really wide understanding of what that is. So you might, let, let's say like there's a, there's just a, a person, a co-worker, a neighbor, a classmate, uh, I don't know, a friend from high school. Somebody that you, is just on your heart and you know God has crossed your paths on purpose for you to care for them. God knows what that person needs. You, you might think that you do, and you might be right, but he really knows what they need. And so what they need is very wide. They might just need somebody to be nice to them. 
They might just need the com- like just compassion, kindness, goodness. They might need to be encouraged. They might just need a hug. They might just need someone just to sit there with them and just be quiet, you know, let them cry. They might need to be invited to go eat lunch with the with the gang. I don't know. So, who has a gang? <laughs> they might just need to be included in something socially. They might need follow up. They might need um, they might need to be invited to I don't know church. <laughs> They might need to be invited to your community group. They might, they, might not wanna, they might not need to be invited to your community group. Maybe your community group is having a barbecue and watching the LSU game. Maybe that's more what they need. Maybe they need to come to the Easter egg hunt before they come to church, because church can be intense sometimes, and I, I know that. Maybe they need to just come over for dinner. Maybe they need to get coffee. Maybe they need a break. Maybe they need a babysitter for free, so they can just have a few minutes, you know. God knows exactly what they need, and he will be really, really specific if, you'll, if we'll just ask him. Hey, what does that person need? And so if our, if, our, um, if our list is really, really, really wide of what that person might need, and we're willing to do whatever it is, then we just have to ask him for help. And sometimes it's maybe never dawned on you to invite someone to community group. But if they kind of know, like, hey, every, you know, every Tuesday I go to this thing, and they're like, oh, that's cool. Is that kind of, you know, is that kind of like fun to be a part of something like that? You're like, yeah, it's the best. See ya. <laughs> you know? <laughs> what does that say, though? You know? What does that say? There are some small group, like some churches where a part of their, like, small group, like, rhythm is they always have an empty chair sitting in the room with them. And they leave that chair as a, like a physical reminder in their room that, hey, there's, there's space for more people. There's somebody out there that needs to come into here that needs this. And so maybe inviting people, maybe bringing people, that needs to be on our list of options. But the main thing we need to do is we need to be asking. He knows far better than we do what people need, and he'll lead us with precision. And you know why I think a lot of us don't do that is because we're insecure about our ability to hear what God is telling us. It wigs you out when someone's like, yeah, God told me, to, God told me to, to email you this verse to encourage you. And you're sitting there and be like, I've never heard God talk to me ever. If that's you, let me encourage you and know it's, it's not nearly as mystic and weird as it may seem. And uh, in like October and November, I'm going to teach a whole series on it so that we'll all be super awesome at hearing from God. So... Because that's all it takes is a sermon series to fix stuff, right? <laughs> it can be difficult to hear, but we, we have to continue to ask and seek and knock in faith and just believe that God loves that person enough to get, to get it through our like, thick skull. You know, He loves them enough. He's not going to withhold his communication. And so let's just be honest. A lot of times the... the uh, the hold up on the communication side of things is not on God's end. And so being faithful to ask for the specific leadership of the Spirit is important. And it also requires obedience. He wants that prayer to be sincerely, God, whatever, whatever you know that person needs, I don't. And whatever it is, whether it's kindness, 
an invitation to something, or if I need to sit down and just and it's time, I need to walk them through the goodness of the gospel and the scriptures. Like if it's a, a presentation of the plan that God has for their lives, I will do that. Whatever it is, I'm saying yes to it. Why wouldn't he honor that prayer? With precision. And you have to be ready. It's like, yep, go tell them who I am and how much I love them. Got to be ready. Third thing, look at verse 30. So Philip ran to him. I don't know if I would have run. I probably sauntered, yeah. But he ran to him. I don't even know what a saunter is. That was a weird, <laughs> weird word choice. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? Here's the third thing. Philip seized the really obvious opportunity that was in front of him. Wouldn't it be awesome if every single time that's how it was? If you were, if you were sitting there and, you, and, and that person, like, person that you have in mind, you know, like God was like, you should, I want you to go over there and I, I just want you to go over to him and start up a conversation. If every time that you're like, okay, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And you run over to them and you get to them and they got a Bible open and they're going, hmm, what does this mean? Wouldn't that be awesome if every single encounter was that obvious? It's not going to be. And we need to be okay with that. But when it is, we have to take advantage of that. We have to, to see that as God like sending you over at the perfect strategic moment that He has orchestrated, that He knows. And there are probably more open doors than we realize. If you have someone, and let's say that they're... Um, that they are upset about something. Clearly, visibly, sitting at work, crying. And God's like, you need to go talk to him. And you're thinking, but what? I don't know what to say. And he's like, you need to go talk to him. Like, but I don't have that gift. You need to go talk to him. And you're like, okay, I'll go talk to him. And you go over there. And they're crying, not because they don't understand the Bible, or something like that. They're crying... Because of some, like someone has hurt them. You could sit there and be like, oh man, that's really, that stinks, man. Sorry about that. And that's good, you know, that's good. Or, in the midst of you saying like, yeah, that's, that's no good. I'm sorry that that happened to you. You could also make sure that they know something really important. Which is that, that God's with them and God loves them. That God agrees that what happened to them was bad. You can work that in there. You know. Sometimes the door is not going to be as obvious as it is here. But when people are in a place where they're, just, they're receiving care and they're receiving input and they're receiving, 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 we need to be really bold in what we're saying. And not say the bare minimum. I agree, we don't need to be like weirdos. you know. But... Maybe, maybe we need to be more faithful with what we're telling people. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they just don't know. 
And maybe God has sent you over to be the one to tell them. And so seizing those opportunities in those moments. Not that you have to sit around for people to have the worst day of their life and then pounce, you know. But when people are, when people are hurting, they need to know that God also is hurting with them. They need to know that because they are valued and loved by Him, He cares. They need to know those things. So that's the third thing, is that He sees this really obvious opportunity. So when those doors open, which we should pray for them to open, and when they open, we've got to have the, the guts to go through them. Fourth thing, verse 31. And to me, like, this is the verse that gets me. The Ethiopian said, how can I, you know, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And what a great, what a great question. Do you understand what you're reading? You know, do you understand what that is trying to tell you? Do you understand what's going on here? And his answer is, how can I understand unless someone guides me? How can I unless someone tells me? How can I know what's going on without that? God has a really like strategic plan for how his love and his good news like gets to people. And there are really three options. One is creation. That people would be able to see the natural created order, like like just nature being nature, and be like, wow, somebody, something made that. We didn't stumble into that. That's one. The other, or the second one, is the Bible, which is why there are there are thousands and thousands of people walking with Jesus who opened up the the bedside table in a hotel room and there was a Bible sitting there from the Gideons and they started reading it and they came to know Christ through that. Thousands. The Gideon ministry and their testimonies are amazing. A couple years ago, there was a guy, a part, a part of the, our church named Yi Wing. Remember Yi? This is how Yi came to know Jesus, if I understand the story right. <laughs> if, you, if you know him, you know that there's a chance I'm in left field. But <laughs> let's just pretend that I'm right. Um, he grew up in Shanghai. One day, someone knocks on the door. It's a traveling book salesman. Uh, Yi's like, yeah, I'll look, I'll look at the books. And he looks around, and, he see, and one of the books is a Bible. And he's like, oh, I've heard of that. Takes the Bible, starts reading it, and like, really like, is very intrigued. And like, re- but he reads it like a book, like starting at page one and read it all the way through. And so it, he didn't understand how it all fit together. But he was just drawn into, into that tremendously. God, in all his sovereignty, brought Yi to Baton Rouge to work on his Ph.D. Yi starts going to the BCM, and he's like, oh, they're, they're talking about that book I read one time. Now I can maybe understand what the book says. And he starts piecing everything together that he had already read and realized that he was already a Christian. He just couldn't articulate it that way. He just couldn't explain it. So now he understands the book. And all he wanted to do anytime I was around him was like ask questions about, about Holy Bible. Because that's what it said on the front. Uh, Holy Bible. Uh, Holy Bible says this and Holy Bible says that. And I was like, I love you so much. That's so amazing. And, um, 
he didn't he didn't go to a worship service, you know. He didn't he didn't wasn't walk through. He didn't have a find a, a gospel track laying around somewhere. He just read the Bible. So people come to know Christ through creation alone and through the Bible alone. But the primary way, the the most efficient way that God has designed that like good news to get to people is through us. Is through us, through the church all around the world. And you're thinking, man, the church is kind of messed up. Yeah. What a beautiful message to be brought to messed up people by messed up people. Who better? Because we're just sitting there being like, look, man, we're, this world's messed up, right? There's some problems. Something went wrong. And Jesus came to fix it. That's how the message gets to people. And there are people all around us every single day who have no idea that they were made in the image of God and something interfered with that, interfered with that and broke it. And Jesus came and did everything that he needed to do in order to redeem and fix and repair and restore everything that was broken in us. They have no idea that they're loved as deeply as they are. They have no idea the goodness of God. They have no idea that he loved them first. No idea, no idea. And how can they unless someone explains it to them and guides them through it and someone tells them? So you and I go into their lives and and they're sitting there and they don't know. And so we have to be looking, how can I let them know how important they are? How can I let them know how valuable they are? Is it kindness and compassion? Is it, is it following up? Is it inclusion? Is it inviting them to something? Is it bringing them to church? Is it, what, is it just telling them the gospel? Is it, what is it, what is it, what is it? And guess who knows? He knows. And guess who will tell you? He will tell you. We see it. What the Ethiopian is expressing here in this story is what the entire world, it's what's running in the backgrounds of their minds like an operating system all the time. How can we know unless someone explains it to us? The Muslim extremists that have like, put this terrorist organization together, they don't know. They don't know. Otherwise, they would not be doing what they're doing. It applies to every situation of injustice and oppression that we have. It, it goes into everything where people are hurting each other because they don't understand. And while creation keeps doing its thing and the Bible is still, it's out there, the church, we're the ones kind of dragging anchor a little bit. And so God's put us in our city, in our communities, in our workplaces and neighborhoods and all the places that he's put us and campuses and he's put us there because there are people there who don't understand and how can they? Unless we explain it to them and how we live it in front of them and how we show them over and over and over again the goodness of our God and his deep love for them. If we really believe the gospel, then this this has to ratchet up the urgency with which we live. If we really believe this is true, why in the world would we withhold it? And a part of me is like, well, I don't really withhold it. Uh, no, I do. I withhold it. Because I'm just living my life, you know, doing my thing. And a part of what he stirred in me in South Africa was like, look, man, that, that's got to change. And God was like, you know what? It's a, it's a really big church globally. 
And if everybody will just say yes to me, if everybody will just do, do this, do what Philip did, the plan will work itself out and, you know, the good news will get to people. And I think for me, the trouble was, and I have this deep heart now for those people. I've been to, to Calcutta several times, a deep heart for the, just the how like absent Jesus is from all that. And yet, I, I don't know about you, but I come in contact with people all, every day here. There's no restrictions on me from sharing stuff with them. There's no, there's no language barrier. There's no cultural problems. There's just my own self-centeredness. What a dumb excuse, right? And so, I'm pressing in on that. I'm trying to figure out, what, what do I do with this? And then I began to realize, like, no, God's been, He's been strategically bringing our whole church closer to this. I'm getting serious about the fact that the kingdom is real, and eternity is real, and Jesus is real, and sin is real. And the clock is ticking. You know, we're not here forever. And every single day is filled with these opportunities to let people know how valuable and important they are to God. Every single day. And all God wants me to do is be faithful with what He's given me today. He's called me to be a part of this family and be obedient within that to whatever the day holds and just say yes to Him. And the same is for you. How can I understand unless someone guides me? Here's the last thing. Verse 34 and 35. The eunuch said to Philip, about, about whom I ask you does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? So he's obviously confused because Isaiah is the author here, but he's like, is this Isaiah speaking or is it someone else? He's just confused about it. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. What a simple verse. He just opened his mouth and told him. That we just need to open, maybe, yeah, open our mouths, but really, I feel, like, I feel like it's about opening our lives, you know? It's about opening up the, every, every, everything that we could see, that we could hear with sensitivity, that we would ha- be, have the boldness to speak, but that our lives would be open to people who don't know the things that we as Christians know, because they're, they matter, regardless of their race, regardless of their background or what they look like or whatever, regardless of how much time we have or don't have, regardless of what they've done to us, regardless of of how receptive they may or may not be, regardless of if it's awkward, regardless of anything that we could come up with, they matter. They absolutely matter, and they may not understand that. And God has sent us into their lives to convey that to them in various ways, a wide variety of ways that He knows, and when we ask Him, He'll tell us, so how about we start to ask, you know? How about we order our lives? How about we get serious about what we claim to be all about? Now, just because I'm struggling with this and have struggled with this, I don't want to like put that on you and assume that every one of us is struggling to live this out. So if you have if you have like come a long ways in this and you're like, no, I, I can't do it, 
Be encouraged by that, okay? But if not, if you're more in my boat of like, man, I, I need to get my stuff together because this is not a game, you know? This is not a joke. This is, this is everything. Then I invite you along. And when it comes time to talk within your community groups about, hey, how do we bring the kingdom close in Denham and in Prairieville and in Baton Rouge and all these places, then let's be for real about that. But also, when in our groups we talk about who's he sending us to, let's be for real about that too. And all that's going to come from our own relationship with God. So when you're like, I don't really feel like praying, don't forget the big picture and how ridiculous that is. You know, Confess that, work through it, get over it. There's a missionary friend of mine, and he says, daylight's burning. That's like at the bottom of all of his emails. Every time I've seen it, I'm like, man, it really is, isn't it? Our stewardship is here. Your stewardship, you know that. You know what he has before you. And so the way that we're going to close in the next few minutes is uh, with a little bit of um, kind of a call to action and kind of three, three different things. All right, One... Uh, we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing "God of This City." We have not sung that song in a very long time, and we're gonna sing it not just because oh it fits with the sermon. Oh, of course, we're gonna sing it as a like confessional prayer, you know, like as a a belief that um, that God is go- is at work already, and He's inviting us to join Him in that. But in our desire to be for real about that. And then Chase Whitney is one of our elders. He's going to come and kind of guide us through a time of prayer for some specific things. And then we're going to sing another song to kind of cap that off at the end. Um, And so I would invite you, uh, well, let me say this. If you're here for the first time, this is like, whoa, it's a little intense. Uh, Yeah, it is. Welcome to the ring. (laughs) Uh, But this has been stirring for a long time. God's been bringing it. He's bringing us somewhere. You know, we're not just winging it. He's got a plan for us as well. So how about you stand up, and uh, I'm going to pray as the band kind of gets back in place. And let's, let's, let me just, uh, well, let me pray. How about that? God, thank you for, uh, for the example that Philip uh, sets for us here in Acts. Thank you that he um, did not have some excuse. He didn't come up with some reason to not uh, be obedient. And I'm grateful for the way that is challenging to me. God, I'm grateful for the, for the fact that this church is not led primarily by any person or group. That we're just following you forward. And for the fact that you gather us together and you... I mean, just like we sing in, you know, from time to time, you fill us and then you send us. God, I just ask for your help in these, in these few moments, God, that we can maybe, um, maybe really engage with you about the call on our lives and what you've entrusted to us. God, the, the people, it's about the people, it's not about the issues, it's it's really not about all the things we like to focus on. We're talking about people around us made in your image who you love just as much as you love any of us. 
for those in here who are believers, who are Christians, we, we understand that love or we're, we've come to some degree of understanding of it. But maybe, maybe they have not. Maybe even some in this room have not. Maybe just hearing some of these things tonight is drawing them in. I pray that that would be the case. My God, you know our, the call in our lives is to make disciples by teaching them to obey everything you have commanded. I mean, just, just passing that on. So as we sing and then as we pray and as we sing some more, I pray that we would, you'd help us to be present in this moment, that these really would be prayers and declarations and confessions and um, that you would give us a vision for what is ahead.